Okay, if we could go ahead and find our seats. And you can either take out your phone, take out a Bible, or look at the screen. We're going to read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, through verse 20. Verse 1 through verse 20. And it reads, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the story of Christmas. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, being born in Bethlehem, a small town in Israel. Now, when Joseph was going over to Bethlehem, of course, it was in times of trouble and there had to be a census taken for the purposes of taxes. And even in recent videos that I've seen of Mary and Joseph, Mary is on the donkey and she's riding along. There's nowhere in scripture that says she was on a donkey. She probably had to walk because they were so poor. We know that they were so poor that they could only offer uh, two pigeons or two turtle doves when it came to the sacrifice for Jesus after he was born. That was customary for all Jews for every firstborn male. They had to take him to the temple and do that. And so there were times of trouble. And there have been times of trouble ever since the earth has begun. The first trouble was Adam and Eve where they took of the fruit and they ate it. And then after that, things just went downhill. Then you had Cain and Abel and Cain killed Abel and that was the first murder. And then there was a prophecy in that Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 that Jesus would come 
And he would be the one in opposition to Satan. After that, in Genesis chapter 6 through 8, there was the flood. No one accepted uh, the salvation that God had at that time. Noah was a preacher for 120 years, and the only people that converted were his family. Talk about being disappointed. Talk about having times of trouble. And then there was the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. You had all the different tribes, the clans, and they each had their own language, but they had one common language. And God decided to come down and say, you know, to restrain wickedness and evil if they had a one mind, one language that they spoke amongst each other, they'd be able to do fantastically wicked things. And so God said, I'm going to confuse. It's really their understanding. They wouldn't be able to understand each other. So God separated all the clans with their languages that they already had. It were told that back in the previous chapter that they all had their own languages, but they weren't able to understand each other after that particular event. Then you had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham lied a couple of times, once to Pharaoh, another to Abimelech, and Isaac repeated the same sin, lying about his wife, who his wife was. And then we have Jacob, who is a dirty, sneaky thief. That's what his name means. And there was just trouble all around. And Jacob thought that he was going to go to the grave when he found out his brother or his son Joseph was in Egypt, ruling over all of Egypt. He was revived at that point because he had lost him. Remember, his brother sold him into slavery. So there was trouble with them. And this is just one people, one family, in the world. Imagine multiplying that throughout the families of the world. What kind of trouble was going on? Well, you continue with that, and in the book of Exodus, there are 14 times that the Jews complained. They complained to God, and what did God do? He kept on striking them with different plagues and problems, and they were dying left and right, and you, you had people being swallowed up by the earth and being closed back over, and God had just about had it. He threatened Moses, said, I'm not going to go with you because I might destroy you. And so even God was having trouble with the people that he had chosen you go to the book of judges and you have Jephthah and you have Samson and you have Deborah and the people they would have peace for about 40 years and they'd fall back into trouble or fall back into sin and there would just be just a terrible time for these Jews who were thinking they were worshiping God but the whole time that they were going astray God was patient with them and they didn't judge them and then he would restore them after that then you had the kings you had King Saul he was certainly disobedient, going to a witch of Endor and summoning up Samuel and David. Of course, he sinned by taking a census and also lying with Bathsheba and giving birth to Solomon. And Solomon, when he was king, he allowed idol worship. He married foreign wives, and he was told not to multiply gold and not to multiply horses, and he did that, and it brought trouble on Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and the kingdom split. It's just like... Is this ever going to end? This is just continuing. And then Israel went into captivity twice. First, it was with the Assyrians. After they had existed for 200 years, it became uh, completely disobedient. So God said, that's it. You're done. Out of the pool. We're getting you out of here. Took away the Assy- by the Assyrians. They were taken away. And then you have the Babylonians later came in and destroyed everything. And so Israel has just had trouble. Now, if you bring it to more recent times in our past history you have whether it's in china you um, chairman mao or lenin or mussolini or hitler or pol pot just ruthless individuals who killed millions and millions of people it seems as if 
Even today, all governments are heading in the direction of tyranny, making sure that the people obey what the government has to say. That's what makes the United States exceptional is because it's the first time in history where we didn't have a king or a lord over us, a despot that told us what to do. But it seems we're heading in that direction. And apparently, the only ultimate human endeavor is to control and or kill. That's what we do given the nature, the fallen nature that we possess. You know, and this has never been not the case. This has always been the case. I was reading something. Do you know that even when it comes to marriage, now you hear about husbands and wives getting in fights and some of them even killing each other. Well, back in medieval uh, Germany, the husband and wife, if they're going to get a divorce, they could have a duel to kind of prove who is right and who is wrong. And what they did is they dug this hole uh, and it was just deep enough where the husband, he would go down to his waist at the dirt level and then they'd tie one of his hands behind his back and give him a club in the other one. And the woman, she had a bag and in that bag, they put a four to six pound rock and they cinched it up at the bottom to where she could sling it back and forth and they got to go at each other and this was a judicial act now we don't know exactly how they determined who was right or who was wrong or who got maimed but there are pictures on how somebody could overcome the other how a woman could overcome the man and if the woman didn't want to fight she could get somebody to stand in her place and that was in Germany and later it was adopted throughout Europe that's how you settled divorces as you the woman had a, a, a stone in a sack and the guy was trying to whack her one on the head with this this club that was there and both the club and the sack with the rock were the same size and like I said it showed pictures of how the guy could overcome the woman turn her upside down and stick her in the hole and how the woman could grab him and choke him and it's amazing we've, we've had all of these different types of conflicts even coming down to the marriage and children and parents you know, the Bible says you know if the uh, children disobey the parents that the parents have the right to bring them to the gates of the city and have them stoned if they're disobedient and we should probably tell all our kids they still install that if they're disobedient and and if we did that you know maybe it would calm down a little bit the trouble that is out there so much trouble is out there and I'm going to use that as an acrostic trouble I just gave you the T and then there's the R well R stands for righteousness. Now, humankind left on its own has no way to determine what right and wrong is. Some people believe we do, but it always turns out that there are some who think they're right and they impose their will if they have enough strength on the populace and they tend to rule over the people, over each individual, and no individual has the ability to determine what right and wrong is. But throughout history, especially with Israel, In the book of Judges, we know that in those days, Israel had no king and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And that's in Judges chapter 21, verse 25. So no one was able to rule over the populace, which was there. They just did what they thought was the right thing. And for us, we realize at this point in time, there must be a righteous king to set the standards for behaviors and enforce them. We were built to be under the headship of a good king. 
That's how we were built. We're always looking for good leaders. Is the world not crying out for leaders now? Like, well, just give us somebody who will set everything right. And the people that are at the helm, we're just going, are you kidding me? Why are you doing these things? And so this trouble is here because there is no one who is righteous that is leading us. And this has always been the case, incidentally. So you have the T, you have the R, then you have the O. There are always obstacles and opposition that we are going to encounter when we try to do what is right. But because of our natures, we cannot do without the help of God. We cannot do what is right. Genesis 6, 5 says, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. I think we're kind of heading in that direction. I I believe that there's a lot of people who are still moral. They think the way God thinks. They read his word and they, they stick with what is right. But also we have enemies that oppose us. This is the obstacles. We have the world, we have Satan, and we have our own fleshly nature. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it talks about the world being against us and, and also the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And those who are disobedient, they're ruled by the flesh on the inside. And so those two constantly battle back and forth. And it's a daily struggle for all of us, all of us who believe. We know that we constantly are battling against temptation, but our own flesh sometimes overcomes us with desire and we fall to that. Then we have to go back and ask the Lord to forgive us. It doesn't take away our salvation, but it ruins our fellowship with the Father. And so uh, if you see the opposition and the obstacles, certainly we need to pray, but then there is the inability or we are unable to change no matter how hard you try you cannot divest yourself separate yourself from that evil wickedness on the inside this is common to all of us given the right circumstances we will do terrible things and it is revealed to us from scripture that we all like sheep have gone astray and each one of us has turned to his own way there's no one who seeks after God unless God reaches down and seeks after us and he's the one who calls us and so we are in need of this king this righteous king who will rule righteously and enforce it no mere human can fulfill the position even though it has been attempted hundreds and hundreds of times we just can't do it and it's because of our fallen nature now fortunately for us that king has made himself known to the world who is that the world is constantly in trouble and it's just going to get worse the things that i read out there today it's it's just like man it it's not looking good in the future now i'm not a fatalist because there's a good story at the end there's a good ending which is there and that's the b in trouble the birth of christ he was revealed to us when he was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He's the one that is the Savior. He's the one that gives the angels the reason to sing glory to God in the highest peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. And so we have this testimony, and it was given to us in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, that he, in fact, would be born. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel in Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, a child is born, and to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And we are even told that he would be a prophet. And Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up 
for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers you must listen to him and that was Moses who wrote that down and he is called the king of kings and the lord of lords in Revelation chapter 19 and what does he do for us well he brings the L in trouble life and light John chapter 1 verse 4 says this in him was life and the life was the light of men so he gives us eternal life and and by the way we are all eternal but we had a beginning God did not have a beginning and he is eternal which means we exist forever you guys if you come here regularly you know we will not cease to exist even though our bodies decay and cease to function it is just our tent as scripture says it's just a dwelling place and so after we leave here we change addresses we don't simply cease to exist or fall asleep and go unconscious and never dream anything like that I believe as you've heard me say before we are more awake once we die physically than we have ever been and that's what awaits all of us the only question is where do you spend that where is all of eternity spent there's only one of two places there's not a third domain there's not a place called purgatory where you wait out for thousands of years there's only heaven and there's only hell and Jesus came to redeem us from the judgment of sin that we have and the penalty of that uh, judgment that God has delivered he says you know you can be forgiven all you have to do is believe and that is what the E is everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved Romans chapter 10 verse 13 he excludes no one whatsoever even the worst murderer the rapist who is out there the drug abuser the drug pusher anyone who is out there that has acted wickedly God says I will still forgive you if you ask and you can have eternal life that's the glorious message of Christmas and we want to make sure that we don't forget that and the best thing for us to do is we look inwardly and we see the sin and if you don't see it just add God ask God to reveal it to you he will open up your heart and show you the darkness that is in there once that happens you turn to him and you say will you forgive me for this darkness which I have perpetrated upon myself which I'm guilty for and he says yes I'll forgive you. It's that easy. You don't have to perform any tasks whatsoever. And we simply do this. You've heard me say you should be able to quote it by now, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And saved from that judgment which is to come. Now what we are going to do at this time is the worship team is going to come up and we are going to receive communion Uh, I think it's appropriate on the birth of Christ, even though we remember his death, burial, and resurrection at communion, he came here to die. He came here to be a sacrifice. And so what we're going to do, as we do on the first Sunday of every month, when we start playing, and I'm going to go over and play a song, when you start playing, you can just take a moment, ask God to forgive you of any sin that you committed, or just give him thanks for the salvation that you have. And we're going to walk up, each one of us individually, uh, for, in the center aisle here, and then you just 
quietly fold back into your seat and please wait, hold on to it until we can all receive it and participate in receiving it together. And then after that, what is going to happen? Everybody has a candle, correct? Is there anybody who doesn't have a candle? We are going to have a uh, time of silent night, the song, and we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to go over and we'll start that song. And you can just start praying right now that the Lord will bless the rest of the service here.